What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Masters of Community podcast. My name is David Spinks, founder of CMX and VP of Community at Bevy. Each week, I bring you an expert who will help you take your community to the next level. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everyone. I just want to give you a quick heads up that my new book, The Business of Belonging, How to Make Community Your Competitive Advantage, is now available anywhere where you can buy books on Amazon and any bookstore. It is the complete collection of everything I've learned from the last 13 years and how to build community for your business and all of the frameworks and models that the CMX team has developed to teach businesses how to do this work. It's all in here. I really appreciate all your support. You can go and order it now. Today's interview is with a community industry veteran, Monica Uyes from Cisco. She's been running community at Cisco for over 22 years. Yes, 22 years in one company, leading community, and she shares her entire journey here in the episode today about how the Cisco community started, how it evolved, how it grew to different topics, how they launched in different countries with different languages. It's a pretty incredible journey that really paints a picture for you on how community evolves at companies over time and how your community might be able to evolve as you continue to grow it within your organization's We talk about a whole range of different topics here from how to launch communities in new language and internationalize your community. They have a bunch of really cool like recognition programs and reward programs like their VIP program and a hall of fame where out of the millions of community members they've had over 20 plus years, only 14 people have made it into the hall of fame. So she shares more about that kind of program. She talks about all the different metrics that they track and shares some specific numbers about the size and the scope of their community. We talk about how community lives within the organization and the different kinds of departments that it's been under over the years. So there's just a ton of deep insight in this one. I think we could have 10 more conversations afterward, but what an incredible conversation. Hope you all enjoy it. Let's dive in. Monica, welcome to the show. Thank you. Be ready to sit your bells and and we will go to a ride. That sounds great. I'm very excited to chat today. You're a community OG. You've been doing this work for a long time and you've been at Cisco for over 22 years, which, oh my God, that's a journey in one company that most people, you know, would say their whole career could be 22 years. So... Very excited to dive into what that journey's look like for you and what does community look like at Cisco and all the things that you're building today. Maybe we could kick off with just a little bit of a background about yourself and that time you spent at Cisco or anything that you'd like to share about what you've done before that, during that, around that, and so on. Absolutely. As you mentioned, I'm close to be 23 years at Cisco. Primarily my entire career in technology has been at Cisco before I was doing mathematics, and I used to teach at the university. So all my entire technology career has been at Cisco. I started as a tech engineer, a support engineer in 1998, handled different technology areas like wide area networks, cable technologies, etc. And then I started writing content for Cisco.com support page in other several technology areas like cable networks, like if you have a cable modem in your house, the technology behind that, I've been an expert on that, wireless routing and switching, like every email that you get, every transaction that you happening on your mobile device or on your computer, pass through Cisco equipment at some point on the journey of that specific message that you get or that photo that somebody sent you. So I have been doing that. And then like in around 2008, 2007, we transitioned to build what it was called the Cisco Support Wiki, which is a place where people can collaborate in documentation, keep documentation up to date, etc. That was based in the Wikipedia platform, the same as Wikipedia, based on the Wikimedia platform, the same platform that Wikipedia is built in. And then in transition to that, it started to then be involved in what is called the Cisco Support Community. And fell in love with that since then. In 2009, I would say this is where I start my journey in the community. And I have been having different roles in the community, but has been there since ever. And people may ask, 
aren't you bored? Why don't <laughs> yeah. you change jobs? Why you stay in one company? Mm -hmm. I would say, well, Cisco is the best company to work for to begin with. I never get bored. There is always so much things to do and so many things to learn and so many people to help that my day goes by and poof, mm. another month <laughs> went by. And we are always innovating. We are always trying to do the best for our customers and partners and try to be to get more customers and partners. And the community is key on that. So that's me. I am a mathematician. My bachelor's degree is in mathematics. And I also got a master's degree in industrial mathematics. Mm. And then I transitioned to do another master's degree in science in telecommunications. And this is where Cisco recruited me. I finished my telecommunications master's in the University of Colorado at Boulder. And I got recruited by Cisco back then. And I love it since then. So it's been quite a journey for me. That's really cool. So you're a rare breed. You love math and numbers as well as people. Usually it's one or the other for a lot of people. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So kind of doing a lot of the things from the analytics to try to understand, okay, where are the trends? How can we engage more people? Trying to match the two things in the community. Totally. Yeah, that's we'll dive into that. But I mean, just I think you have a unique vantage point on community management I'm curious, did community even exist at Cisco when you first started there? And how have things evolved in how Cisco looks at community building since you first started and since you started working in community? Like, has there been growing interest and buy-in? Has it been an uphill battle? What did that journey look like? Yeah, that's a very good question. I joined in 1998. And then shortly after, in 2000, this is where the community started. Back then, it was called NetPro Forums. It was like a short name of networking professionals. It was just simply one forum, one discussions forum in one single technology area that Cisco has, like the virtual private network, which is the VPN. So it was closely after that, but I was still like a support engineer, nothing to do with security, nothing to do with VPN. And then it started evolving. I do remember the at some point there were people asking to do some what we call the Ask the Expert events back then when I was in the support organization, the technical support organization called TechTAC or Technical Access Center. This is when it started. And then since then, the evolution of the community has been going on. So in the 2000, we start with this thing called NetProforms, as, as we start, as we mentioned, they start having this as the experts' discussions, in which this is like a discussion thread opening the community with an expert, primarily from Cisco at that time, committed to answer any questions on that topic for like two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then they also started like something called Tech Talks, which is like webinars, and they used to have some newsletter. And then the time evolved. In 2001, we started adding more technology areas. This is where we started adding, you know, the routing and the switching and the wireless. And then Cisco started getting into the voiceover IP, mm -hmm. IP phones and all of that. So we started getting into the voice and video. We opened some forums for answering questions on those technology areas. As you also may know, we have a very robust set of certifications for Cisco. And they go from different levels, from entry level to medium level, to very expert level. And so we opened a forum on that in 2001. Then continue evolve the page. We have several redesigns. And 2003, this is when we created what we call at the time the Top Net Pro, Top Net Pros, which is our top contributors program. Mm -hmm. Back then, it was only a handful of people. There were like only five external contributors that contributed a lot in the community. And we kind of launched that nomination for them. We also launched some areas for doing product reviews where people can provide some feedback about our products. And it was very useful. We continued to evolve quite a bit. In 2005, we redesigned the page again. We created some additional areas for getting some ideas about Cisco.com. We wanted to all our digital properties to have a place where people can submit feedback, say, telling us, what they want to see on those pages. Right. It went from more of like a support forum into kind of an idea and feedback exchange where people can share their feedback on the products and stuff like that. 
Yeah, I mean, we opened an area there too. Exactly. So, but it was still primarily support, you know, having a place for customers to ask questions, technical questions about any product that Cisco had, right? So then in 2008, as I mentioned, we created what we call the Cisco Support Wiki. We launched that. It was a place where people can create documents, can keep documents up to date, and it will be using the power of the crowdsourcing to mm-hmm. get documentation out. Cisco.com, specifically the support area of Cisco.com, has hundreds of thousands of documents. So it's kind of hard to keep them up to date. So we launched that endeavor. We were working on that for a bit. It was okay, but didn't get the, all the updates from external contributors as we expected. Then in 2009, it was a huge milestone on the community. So we have this, the NetPro forums, which was only discussion forums, and then we have the wiki. We merged those two into a new platform mm-hmm. called Jive. And then we launched and rebranded the Cisco NetPro. We rebranded that to Cisco Support Community. So we have a new place where not only you have all the discussion threads and you can have all the questions and answers, we also have all the documentation that people can collaborate on. And then we also added a capability to do blogs, events, videos. So it was a very robust community now. It's more than just forums. It's more than just documents, right? It's much more than that. So it was great. In 2009, two other communities were launched in Cisco, also based in Jive. I mean, it was the Cisco certifications community and then the marketing community. So at some point, we have like three different communities. What what was the marketing community? Was that like a community specifically focused on marketing Cisco or is it for customers who are using Cisco marketing products? What exactly was that? The idea of the Cisco marketing community was if you have any questions that were pre-sales, technical questions, it's always been very technical questions, but from the pre-sales perspective, okay, you want to know what are the features, what are the solutions, how can I put this, that I want to buy this, what is the specifications of the products that will fit my needs, that type of questions. Got it. Always very technical in nature, but it's still like pre-sales. Got it. Cool. So it was like that. We then have those three communities. And then when the certifications community launch is called Cisco Learning, the forum that we had for certifications, we actually ended up migrating that to that community because, yeah, indeed, this is very different a scenario where you just want to learn something and specifically to learn about certifications of Cisco and technical questions that you have. There is a little bit of overlap there because technical question is a technical question, regardless of you are learning to get a certifications or you are learning because you need to solve a problem. But then we migrated this uh, our certification-related questions into the CLN community. And then it continued to evolve. Then in 2010, another milestone came. We launched our first non-English community. We launched Japanese. Ah. And then we start design, redesign the page. You know, the page kept evolving over time. In 2011, we launched Spanish in July and then Portuguese wow. in December. So that year, 2011, was very busy. And then in 2012, we realized these top net pros that we do on a yearly basis is like you have to wait for an entire year to get visible on the community. So what we did, we launched like a monthly a spotlight award program in which every month we highlight few users that have been very impactful on the community in different things. And then we also launched Russian community. The other thing that we did in 2012 is let's help the community as a whole in the world, like real communities of people like Teachers Without Borders, Kiva. We also have helped the Red Cross when there was this huge earthquake or Haiti, mm-hmm. you remember in 2012, I, I, I don't remember the year, but there was a huge earthquake that was devastating Haiti. We also have a program that we will donate money to those organizations. In this year, with the pandemic, we selected UNICEF to donate money. So we have these programs, we're trying to do it on a yearly basis in which, hey, we identify specific 
behaviors that we want to incentivize in the community, like, for example, reply to a question or fill out your profile or make sure that if you see content that is very valuable on the community, that you mark this content as helpful and things like that. And each time we do this, meeting community members, we will donate specific amount of money to this nonprofit organization. I love that. Up to a cap, right? We usually have like a $10,000 budget to do that. We typically do it around Thanksgiving. Sure. Because of the season of giving goes with that spirit and do it until the end of January, more or less. That's such a smart idea. I love that. And this is a way to give to the real world. It's not that the community is not the real world because we do solve real problems that real people have, but being able to extend that way beyond technology and help the world out there. So it kept evolving. In 2014, we did another huge milestone in which we say, okay, there are a lot of constraints that we have with Jive. There is certain things that we would like to do and we cannot do. Why don't we experiment and go to an open source platform called Drupal and we migrated to that. It was great. We had all the bells and whistles that we wanted to build without constraints of a specific functionality of a platform. Wow. From a vendor, we were able to do. I've never heard anyone speak so positively about a migration, especially one as complex as your community. That must have been a massive, massive project. Oh, it was a massive project. It was like a year-long project. It was a massive. And yeah, we were able to do all the bells and whistles that we had, but that came with a price tag, which was every more customization that we did, the performance of the community was not great. So it got to a point that the page load was not anywhere close to what it should be. So we ended up in 2017 saying, well, this is good. We were able to do a lot of things, but it was better to use a platform where we have a company that actually, this is what they do. So you migrated back. Yeah, we were not really <laughs> experts on platform. Right, Chorus. So we migrated to Lithium. Now it's called Chorus. And they bought Jive as well, right? Jive as well. So, so it's good because they are bringing some of the yeah. good functionality that we miss from Jive. They are right. slowly bringing that back. So we made this migration back to a platform vendor. In those migrations, I also want to point out that we always do an in-depth cleanup of users. For example, if there was a user that logged in, became a member, never did anything on the community, and the last time he logged in or she logged in was like two years ago, and there was never post a question, never answer a question, never give a kudo or a helpful board or anything, there was no point to migrating those users. So. We always did some cleanup on users and on content, trying to get rid of very old content. Like, for example, all discussions that were never, questions that were never replied to five years ago before the migration, the, what was the point to migrate that? It was obsolete question right. by now, and nobody answered those questions. So we always try to do some cleanup so that people find valuable information. You do that just when you migrate, or do you have a regular cleanup that you do? That's a great question. We tried to do it. Now we are focusing on an archival project that we are going to be more diligent on cleaning that this more often. We clean up. We continually evolve the community, merge to different communities and things like that. But we are getting more diligent in creating a project that will have all this process to do this automatically, right? And set up some rules that, hey, you know, that automatically will archive content. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And then in 2018, (laughs) another huge milestone happened. We realized, you know, we have, remember, we have the Cisco support committee on one hand. We have the marketing committee on the other hand. We were able to kind of, hey, you know, it's kind of the same questions. People do really not, didn't distinguish between pre-sales and post-sales. So we discovered that there was a huge overlap between in members, the members of the communities, there was like more than 30% overlap, were members of both communities and they couldn't distinguish where to ask a question. So there was a little bit of confusion where to ask your question. People don't necessarily conceptualize, oh, this is a pre-sales question versus a post-sales question. They just have a technical question. So we merged these two communities in July 2018. Cool. Right? So at the merge, we were 
at like 750,000 mm -hmm. users, okay? So only two years ago. And we merged all the users and we migrated you know, all the content from the marketing mm -hmm. community into the course platform. And then we kept evolving from there. So right now, just to give you a sense, we are close to a million member users back. I mean, we are climbing back to close to a million members after mm -hmm. doing all these cleanups in the previous migrations. Our traffic is around wow. 21 million views per quarter, which is very good. 3.3 million visitors per quarter. Mm -hmm. So it's more than 1 million visitors per month. And each quarter, we get like about 30,000 registrations, new wow. members. Still growing. It's really very solid. It's still growing. The pace of growth is continuous, you know. It's very steady. It hasn't accelerated in the last few years, but it's still yeah. growing, you know, at a very good rate. We have like about 6,000 new questions every quarter and about wow. 3,000 new replies. So yeah. uh, it's a very active community. And on a single day, you will go to the forum right. and three minutes later, you have another question and another question and another question. So That's awesome. it is very, very solid. Along with that, we have a very robust set of social media channels. We have Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. Right. Your team manages that as well, or that's a separate team? All together. Okay. We manage, but we also collaborate with other teams for the social listening in the marketing and the digital journeys. They are also helping right. us with the management of those. Yeah. We are close to a million members as well in our social media channels. Wow. That's a lot. So is, are we up to date? Is that all the way till today? Yes. Okay. That's a journey. Wow. I just want to like call out like for people, I feel like a lot of people start community platforms and they try to set these really ambitious goals of all these things that they want to do. And we're talking about 20 plus year time span here that your community is evolving and shifting. And so it just kind of does go to show how long these things can take and how things evolve over time. And it's interesting to hear how your platform shifted and how the focus of different communities shifted and the titles shifted. And it's just, it gives a good, clear picture for other teams to think about, like, don't worry about getting everything right very quickly. It's going to be something that's always going to be evolving and shifting and developing over time. Absolutely. And you have to be open to that change because Absolutely. if you don't evolve, you die. So I have a thousand <laughs> questions. Sure. <laughs> a few quick specific ones, I guess. So where does community live within the company? Is it its own department? Does it live under another department? Yeah, we. this is a good question. We are under customer experience. Right, that changed too, I bet. And we have been in different departments over time. <laughs> yeah, like when it was just launched back in 2000, it was in the marketing, then it moved to support. Now is part of the customer experience community okay. or what we now call Cisco One. <laughs> this is the new name. And our team does a lot of the digital journeys. So the good thing about this is that now the community has taken a more center stage across the entire company because it's not only for support, it's not only to mm -hmm. help users with the pre-sales questions. And we have a program within the community called uh, Customer Connection Program in which we have our teams of technical marketing engineers showing our members you have to apply to be a member of the Customer Connection Program where, where we display, you know, roadmap information. You are in the inner circle of that. But with being part of the digital journey allows us to be more center stage in the entire end-to-end -end journey of the customers. Right. From engaging, from buying, to supporting, to engaging, to optimizing the entire thing. And the community is now embedded into many other things. We are syndicated content into Cisco.com properties, Lightboat support, and we're working to embed more in the marketing Cisco.com entities, really making... Everywhere you go in your digital journey, That's you so will cool. have an interaction on the community at some point. So we are integrating that and it's becoming more in the center of the entire thing for the digital journey. We're in a huge digitalization era right now. And this has only accelerated with the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think your program's 
just so mature. It really is kind of that end state that we talk about for a lot of community programs because a lot of the time it starts under one department. Maybe it just focuses on support or it just focuses on marketing. But we talk a lot on this podcast and in the CMX community about community really being at its best when it's kind of the center of excellence that integrates across the organization. And it's driving support, it's driving product feedback, it's driving marketing and growth. Mm -hmm. It's impacting all these different parts of the business. And you've officially arrived there. Like That's what's happening at Cisco. That's really cool. And so the objectives (laughs) that you track, I'm imagining it's across all of those different kinds of uh, goals, whether it's deferred support costs or driving new customer growth. Are you tracking some key metrics that, that kind of speak to the business value? Yeah, as I mentioned, we capture all the traffic, all the contributions, the case deflection. We capture this data as well. Just to give you an idea, we solve many cases on the community on a monthly basis. And that represents like about 30% of all the cases that could have been resolved using all the different entities, digital entities at Cisco. The community alone is wow. about 30% of those numbers. That is huge. Yeah. I mean, for a company like Cisco, we're talking about millions and millions of dollars in cost savings. Yeah, we, we are. Big company, big numbers. <laughs> and are you tracking on the marketing side as well, like new customer growth? We are trying to embed this in the KPIs. The marketing organization helps also. They do track. It is very clear that people that participate in community are twice as likely to buy Cisco, right? And it's twice as likely to renew their contracts and keep buying more things. So this is something that the marketing organization has been tracking. So you've done that analysis and you found that 2x more likely. Yeah, that specific piece of analysis has been done more by the marketing side, but this is the numbers that have been shared. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Very cool. And how many people work on community at Cisco? Uh, that's a very good question. It's a small team, if you think about it. We have like under my manager, we are like about 10 people. 10 people. Wow. Doing all that. Including local, you know, we have sure. a local community moderator for each of our languages. We have seven languages altogether. Wow. And we are launching another one. So we count those. We have some people in marketing, a couple of uh, two or three people in marketing. Right. And a couple of uh, one person that helps us with all the metrics. <laughs> so it is not a huge team. It's, it's just like less than 15 people. Wow. And then, well, we have a team of developers that help us and the right. QA engineer, etc. So maybe all together we have like 20. But hey, this is a huge community. So... Yeah, that's a lot for a small team to be managing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think Cisco will hire a, or put a chief community officer position in place anytime in the future? We have our senior manager in charge uh-huh. of community and Cisco.com support. Then we have our leader, who is, I will call the executive sponsor, I will say the, the manager. And then under her, we have that, but uh, I haven't heard anything specific about yeah. using that specific name for the chief of community. Yeah. But in practice, that's what is happening. <laughs> Maybe the name is not officially there, but in practice, that's what is happening. So it's been a huge support. Now with the Digital Journeys team, there is a huge focus on that. So Cisco has realized the community is a gold mine of data that right. can be used to many other things. Can you say more about that? What kind of data comes from the community that's useful to the business? Like, for example, people asking questions and reporting issues, right? We see a lot of people showing this issue in this specific product. We kind of, hey, you know, go to the BUs and say, we need to fix this. It's a product default. We have to fix it. The other things that we do, we have this ideation feedback mechanism. And just to give you an example, in WebEx, WebEx sure. is our, uh, one of our key products nowadays with the pandemic. It has exploded. It's a premium product that we have. So we have one WebEx community where people can ask questions about that. We launched some beta programs in which they, we were gathering feedback, how to improve the product. And there has hundreds of submissions that have been done. And we have 
embedded hundreds of feature requests to improve WebEx. Like one quick mm-hmm. example I can tell you is the idea of the noise reduction. Like if you use WebEx on, on the audio from your yep. computer, people, your kids may be jumping behind you. <laughs> you will not hear a thing. And right. that was because of the feedback that right. we gather on the community about all these programs. So this is just one example how we can use the ideas and the feedback provided in the community to enhance our products. I love it. I want to dive into the internationalization of community a little bit because that's a very interesting topic that a lot of community professionals and community teams struggle with. So how does that look? It sounds like you started with a couple languages. You grew to Spanish and Portuguese and Russian and Japanese. Are these (laughs) their own standalone communities that all run with that language or do they all live in one space? Well, everything is integrated within the Cisco community. It's just primarily like another category. And the way in which we grow these communities is we start seeing the need to create that based on the number of cases that we have in the tag, the amount of sales the local region has, and the teams coming to us, hey, you know, we really need this support. Like This is how we launched the Japanese back in 2010. There was this need. We really want to be able to augment the support and allow people to help each other on the community by giving them a space for people being able to ask those support questions in Japanese and being able to provide like quick tips, short documents, yeah. and post it in the community and allow the community members to post content as well. Not only ask questions right. and respond to questions, but also create content. So. That's what approach we grow organically. We don't see the need and we don't launch it because if we do this artificially, right. these communities may not get off the ground, right? We actually experimented, by the way, with Polish. This was our first one that we kind of try on. And after two, three years, we realized. Oh, yeah. So Polish, not that useful. <laughs> they tend to answer right. questions in English. So it was useful, but not that useful. People prefer to ask a question in English because in Poland, most people speak English anyway. So they see there was more activity in the English community. They were answering the questions faster. So it kind of continued to ask the questions in English. So we ended up archiving the Polish community. But that was, we wanted to start a small experiment with a language that was not so huge to see how it will go. Then we launched Japanese, then Spanish and Portuguese, then Russian, right, and so on. So are you translating the content from the English community into these languages, or is it building the content up from scratch in those languages? That's a great question. So when we launch a new community, the analogy that I can play out here is like when you open a new restaurant. So right. when you open a new restaurant, you want that when people come, they see other people. Right. I went to the wrong place. <laughs> if you come to a new restaurant and it's empty, it's like, uh-oh, I do not feel comfortable eating there, right? Yeah. So what we do, we always take a handful, like a hundred pieces of content mm-hmm. that has been very popular in other languages, typically in English, mm-hmm. and then translate that content, both questions, answers, documents, videos, logs, etc. And we made sure that every single area, technology area within the new language community has content. And we create a tandem of feeding the content for the first few months because it is only when you come and see mm. valuable content that you will stay and you may be able to ask your question in that language. Right. And then we better get that those answers quickly because otherwise people may not wait enough and then we probably will you right. Google Translate to ask a question in English where they know they probably will get the answer. So we work closely with Cisco experts at the beginning right. to make sure that they will be helping out in answering questions, translating content, and actually launching events. We usually try to do webinars on that language. Yeah, We have something that we call Ask Me Anything, which is a discussion thread on the community. Right. We used to call it as the experts, but we changed the name to Ask Me Anything in the last couple of years. Reddit popularized that. Uh, yeah. Well, like we did before Reddit, but yeah, it was probably around the same time. You did it before Reddit? Reddit stole that from you? 
<laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I wouldn't tell. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know that Reddit had it until recently. <laughs> Let me put it that way. I thought that's where Ask Me Anything's came from was Reddit, but I could be wrong. Yeah, could be. I mean, we had the, the Ask the Expert since the year 2000. Right. And then we rename it to Ask Me Anything because Cisco in the CX organization is running another program called Ask the Expert. Oh, okay. So you had to adapt. So we kind of let this other program use our previous name. And then we changed it to Ask Me Anything, which was kind of the, the closest to that. So that we continue to have the same spirit of what it is. It's basically a question that we open on the community with a specific expert committed to answer questions for a period of time on that specific discussion yeah. thread. Cool. And you do a lot of events for your community. To, you use like events to drive engagement in your online community, right? Yes. It's a key aspect of engagement. Uh, there are two reasons for that. And it's part of the strategy. One, it helps us to keep building the intellectual capital on the community. Very valuable content because the people that deliver those events, either the webinars or answering the questions on the Ask Me Anything events, all the content stays there. And right. is there like, that becomes a resource. Becomes a very valuable resource. The other part of the strategy with the events is we use the events, we promote the events, and in turn, that promotes a community implicitly because people want to attend this event. To attend the event, they have to come to the community to register. So it is a way to make awareness campaigns without promoting the community directly. And it has been worked very well for us. That makes a lot of sense. And then you have some really interesting reward programs and recognition programs in your community. I would love for you to share a few of those because I, I found them to be really unique. And as soon as I heard them, I'm like, oh, we should be doing that in our community. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have like four different award programs. One is uh, kind of like the I will go with the lowest to the highest. One is called the Monthly Spotlight Award Program. This is a monthly recognition that we give to a handful of members of the community. We have a few different categories, like uh, the Member's Choice Award. This is where people nominate somebody on the community. We have the Rookie Award, a person that became a member, let's say, four months ago and the last 90 days after he became a member, we measure the amount of contributions, right, in 90 days. And, and then we give the nomination to the person that contributed the most, even if they ask a lot of questions, because asking the question in itself is very good for the community, right? So we also have, like, the best publication award in which we give a nomination. We, from all the documents, videos, and blogs that are posted by external contributors in the community, we pick the best that we can deem the more impactful. And first, we need to make sure that it's technically accurate. The content of this piece of data is there. Everything is accurate. And then we see what is more impactful, what piece of content is going to help most people. And we tend to also round robin a little bit on technology areas because we don't want always the same technology to get this award, right? Like routing or switching or, or security or collaboration or data centers. We have another area on the community called developers. Developers, it used to actually be a different community that we also migrate when we was part of the marketing community. And it has been growing significantly. You know, developers is now very big at Cisco. So we have a community and we have a nomination for the developer of the month. We also have it for a small business and for the CCP, the Customer Connection Member Program of the Month. And recently, we added a new category for the WebEx community champion right. because we recently created this WebEx community. So on a monthly basis, we pick those. And then in English, we have all these six different categories. And then in the local communities, the non-English communities, we're round-robbing between a few of those categories, having a one member per month. So one month. In Spanish, could be the person that asks the, the questions answer. Right. I will be the person that answers more questions or the rookie or the best publication award. And all together, we have like around 12 people okay. that we highlight on a monthly basis. Many of these people 
can get as long as you can you can get you can be nominated several times in the same calendar year as long as it's in a different category. Let's say you were the rookie of the month this month. Right. Next month, you answer a lot of the questions and you can get the questions answered award. And then probably two months down the road, people will nominate you for the okay. member's choice. And this is very important to build the journey for the people that become the Cisco designated VIPs, which is the next program that we have. This is a yearly nomination. We actually yeah. come up with a new class every January. Is very elite. <laughs> you have to work very hard and you have to help many people right. to be able to get nominated there. Just to give you a choice. I mean, we have almost 1 million members and wow. we have 52 Cisco designated VIPs this year. And we have been growing that number in the last few years. We used to have only 20, right? A few years ago. So we have been growing as the community grows, but it's still very elite. They get a lot of benefit from it. Like, for example, we have a Cisco Live event, which is our conferences that we have. Sure. Three conferences in the year. Mm -hmm. Of course, with the pandemic, everything was virtual, but uh, hopefully we will resume to face-to-face. -face. So we pay their conference pass to them. We gave them like nice perks, a beautiful polo shirt with the Cisco designated VIP. And we give them like a voucher for a free certification of Cisco. Right. And we give them a few things. So we try to keep them very happy. And then almost also every year, because more than 70% of our events are hosted by external experts. Basically, the expert that delivered this Ask Me Anything or that delivered this webinar are not from Cisco. It's community-based. Right. They're community members. So we typically have like around 70%. We are trying to aim it to be like fully external, except like the CCP program, which is intended to be from Cisco to our customers. So we have a yearly nomination on the events top contributor programs in which we look at who delivered the events and the quality of the events and how the impact of those events were in the community. Mm -hmm. And of course, we look at metrics where the expert can control. Right. The expert cannot control how many people register or how many people attend to an event. This is on us to promote the event. Yeah, the quality of the event. But they do control the ratings on presentation skills, technical knowledge, exactly. So that is on them. So we look at those kind of things. We look at the type of the responses that they get on the Ask Me Anything. And then we come up with a yearly nomination for the event of Contributors Award. We, we stopped doing it for a few years, but we resumed doing it this year and we are committed to do it like every year after. And that's also a yearly nomination. We announced the class of the event stop contributors like every February, just after the, the VIPs. And the other program that we have is the top of the top, which is called the Hall of Fame. And if you notice, we have very few Hall of Famers. We only have 14. And this is... 14 ever. 14 ever. <laughs> yes. Wow. So... Because the Cisco designated VIP is a yearly nomination, you get your batch and all of that only for a year throughout the community. Of course, you keep your batches from the previous years in your profile, but throughout the community wow. is when you are active. But the Hall of Fame is forever. <laughs> uh, once you are a Hall of Fame, you are a Hall of Fame. So they continue to be invited to the VIP dinners and invited to the events, uh, Cisco Live events, etc. So it's kind of having those VIP privileges for forever, really. Do they get unlimited polo shirts? <laughs> like every year they get, you know. <laughs> a golden jacket or something? They get a few things too, so. A golden Cisco router? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And these are people that have been committed to for a long period of time. So yeah, it's the elite of the elite. That's cool. I love that. I bet the community really like it probably just adds all these levels of prestige to the community that people really aspire to and respect. So that's so cool. Yeah, I think the Hall of Fame and even the language you use, it's something that a lot of other community builders could think about creating for their own communities. Yeah. 
Okay, well, I have like a hundred more questions, but <laughs> we are coming up on time here. So I want to make sure that we get through everyone's favorite part of the show, the rapid fire question round where I ask quick questions and you give quick answers. Okay. Monica, are you ready for the rapid fire question round? I'm ready. All right. Okay. Number one, what's your favorite book to give as a gift to others? I love the book called Drive by Daniel Pink. Mm. It talks about intrinsic motivations Mm -hmm. and he explains the key to motivation is when you have autonomy, mastery, and purpose. So that's a very good book for community managers. I love it. That's a great book. One of my favorites. Definitely one that community builders should all read. Okay, next question. What advice do you have to new community managers about like any like key mistake or something that they should aim to avoid? What I will say, try, be prepared. My mantra is always be very prepared on whenever you contact people, especially for the events. I will also say, do be very friendly, very open. Don't get into the trap of trying to grow very fast because there is so much you can do. The things will grow organically. For events, my mantra is prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Yep. That's like event management 101. Something will go wrong, but hope that it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, great. I have a story to tell, but I don't know if we have time for that one. <laughs> well, we'll have to save it for the next interview. <laughs> Okay. 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 So next question, what's a go-to engagement tactic or conversation starter that you like to use in your communities? Yeah. I always start with a praise and Mm. acknowledgement of the great work community members do. Always being very grateful for their time because it's free time. You know, we don't pay them to do anything. Always explain the benefits of participating and how they can enhance their professional careers by their participation. I love it. What's in it for them? So with them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, very important. All right, next question. Very important question. Have you ever worn socks with sandals? <laughs> yes, especially during this pandemic, you know, around here in the house in the winter. Yeah, I feel like it's all I wear now, slippers and socks with sandals. <laughs> yeah, I don't go out with that. Uh, <laughs> but inside my house, yes. You don't go outside. You're no, inside no. only. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good to know. I go outside, but usually just so I get a sandwich around the corner. I don't go too far. Um, Okay, cool. Next question. Who in the world of community would you most like to take out to lunch? Yeah, I would like to take out to lunch to my community managers because they are all in different locations around the world. Some of them joined during the pandemic. So I have never met them in person. So I would love for us to be able to have a lunch together. Well, maybe at CMX Summit, we'll all get a big lunch next time we can all gather in person. That would be fantastic too, yes. Yeah. All right, next question. What's the proudest moment of your career? Uh, when I reach, uh, when I got my Cisco Certified Internet Working Expert Certification, that's the toughest certification you can ever get, just to give you a sense. Wow. It was Harder than my two masters in science degrees that I got. Oh my God. No way. Really? Combined. Combined. Wow. For me, it was harder, but Holy cow. I was very stubborn and had to do it a couple of times. I didn't give up. I try and try again until I got it. That's incredible. Very much something to be proud of. <laughs> yeah. What is a community product that you wish existed? Oh, gosh. If I have a magic wand. I would mm-hmm. love to be able to seamlessly integrate community content with other digital properties at the click of a button, you know, and also have all these databases for analytics to be combined so that we can really fully understand the end-to-end journeys for customers and derive a lot of data. That would be. Love that. There's a few companies working on that these days. So I think maybe your, your wish will come true soon. Hopefully. Cool. All right. Last question. Very, very big one. Very an easy one. If you were to find yourself on your deathbed today and you had to condense all of your life lessons into one Twitter-sized piece of advice for the rest of the world on how to live, what would that advice be? I will say, don't be afraid to try. When you are afraid, ask yourself, what's the worst that can happen? You will really realize that the worst case scenario is better than you think. And also... I will prioritize 
family, and loved ones. What this pandemic has shown me is time doesn't come back. So spend time with your family, with all the people that you love. Very well said. And your first advice reminds me of one of my favorite pieces of advice I got from a mentor named Aki Sano a long time ago, who said, instead of just thinking about your worst case scenario, think about what is your best worst case scenario. So if you actually get specific and look at what your worst case scenario is, you'll usually find that there's actually a a best worst case scenario that's not that bad at all. Exactly. And that's always stuck with me. So sounds like you and I got some similar advice. All right. Well, Monica, that is the end of our time, but I can't thank you enough for joining me today and sharing your your long, illustrious journey in the world of community at Cisco and, and all the things you've learned and all the evolutions you've gone through. I just want to say how impressive it is and how grateful I am for having people like you that we can learn from that you've gone deep, as deep as you can go into the world of community management and figuring out how to make these kinds of programs successful at companies, you are a true expert. And I think we all have a ton more to learn from you. I think we could probably do 10 more interviews just from the topics that we barely briefly got to touch on in today's hour-long interview, but massively grateful and appreciative of all your time and your experience. And I I hope uh, this is the first of many conversations that you and I have. Yeah, I hope so too. And I want to say I'm very grateful to Cisco for giving me this opportunity and I'm very happy to be a good asset for, for the company and more importantly, to help people, which is very close to my heart. Amazing. And I think you're going to be speaking at CMX Summit this year. So for those of you who want to learn more from Monica and the Cisco journey, keep an eye out. We'll be sharing details about CMX Summit very soon. It'll be virtual so you can tune in online. Thank you. Where can people go to find you and continue to learn from you? Well, they can always email me. M- L-L-U-I-S at Cisco.com. Awesome. Yeah, sharing the email on the podcast. I like it. It's bold and brave and you're about to get a whole bunch of emails. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) I hope your inbox isn't too busy. All right. Well, thank you so much, Monica. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Thank you, David. And a pleasure to have this conversation. The Masters of Community is brought to you by CMX, the world's largest network of community professionals, and Bevy, the enterprise platform powering communities for the world's leading brands. This episode was edited and produced by Finesse Media. Music was provided by Seiji Cataldo, and design was provided by Virginia DeMarco. If you enjoy this episode, please drop us a review in iTunes. It's a huge help for helping us get this podcast in front of more people. We really, really appreciate it. And share it with your networks. The more people that learn about the power of community, the better. We have a new episode every week. So until then, thank you so much for listening and see you next time.